peace, namaste, and shalom. Everybody out there in dreamland, I am the beyond top secret Texan. Join me on my podcast, the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast, where I explore the outer limits of human abilities, top secret military technologies, the reality of extraterrestrial Earth alliances, secret space wars, advanced cryptozoology, subjects of theosophic truth, esotericism, and the occult. Beyond the Top Secret Texan Podcast. Greetings, everybody out there in dreamland. Namaste and shalom. Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. I am the Beyond Top Secret Texan. Thank you all very much, sincerely, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you all very, very much for joining me once again on another episode. Uh, I always want to say another, a better episode. Um, Every day I hope to improve, you know, I hope to to make the, uh, uh, each episode a step into the journey of perfecting and practicing. Uh, You know, practice makes perfect. Um the podcasting art form and everything like that at least uh personally my own skill at that art form not like reinventing the wheel or anything or pioneering but uh so this another greater episode of uh maybe the on top secret Texan episodes greater again uh great again that'd be that'd be pretty funny um was it uh btst great again <laughs> make btsd great again uh but yeah let's uh You know, let's, uh, you know, all be here presently for the episode at hand. So, uh, this is going to be a great episode, a new episode, um, about China, about the secret space program, about the breakaway civilization concept, about history, about hidden history, and about, um, the great resets that have been occurring, as well as the great resets that are going to be occurring. And uh, eventually the great um, future that is going to be all shared after these Jupiter Accords that were created this year, calendar year, for Americans, um, you know, specifically Westerners. I believe all Westerners use the same calendar, but I know it's not a global calendar. So for this calendar, for this, for this year, I believe in the summer, the Jupiter Accords were uh, finalized. Now, the Jupiter Accords were very um, important and very influential um, over the course of multiple species, uh, fates, destinies, and, uh, you know, like, I guess you would call it power levels within the solar system, the territories at question, as well as the changing and specifications of roles responsibilities and duties that these species had in accordance with each other and in part as a part of this alliance now as incredibly fascinating um of a topic that the extraterrestrials roles and importance within the uh, earth alliance within solar warden within um 
um, the very fabric of reality itself, you know, very fabric of humanity itself, its its hand and all of this and all its decisions. Uh, one must never forget that ultimately the perspective and the lens that we can only see it from and that I can only interpret both my own experiences as well as the experiences, uh, you know, in the future or in the present that I'm, like, you know, being able to, being aware of, being made aware of through channeling, through the uh, literal communication, through the astral realm of Ashtar contacts, relations, uh, kins uh, that I've created over the years, uh, communicating through the astral plane. These um, guides allow me to... Uh, facility, like, you know, enter, gain access to the Akashic Records, unless I'm able to witness events through remote viewing, through out-of-body experiences, through astral travel, astral, uh, you know, envisioning, and, uh, other psychic methods. Now, this is a completely organic process. It's not, uh, you know, the, uh, I guess you call it, uh, I want to say controllable, it's, it's not controllable, nor was it, you know, it, it is simply the state of being, so these messages will, you know, occur. I can't uh, force, nor do I have any authority or power or, like, command over them. Uh, you know, I say, like, the astral guides visiting me and communicating with me is the choice of the astral guide, not uh, of my own. Right? So think of it less as a... A genie system, you know, a gin system where the the human has the authority over the uh, metaphysical higher power. No, no, no. This is this is much more the other way around. Where I am fortunate and you know wish to remain fortunate enough to uh, welcome whenever they decide to uh, you know give me information and during those events to try to gather as much information which. I have made very honest and clear to both them as guides in the great beyond and as representatives of the Galactic High Command or the Galactic Light Federation, the Astro High Command, that I will be telling you, the greatest audience in the dreamland, uh, everything that I hear as much as that they will allow. And if they would, you know, wish that I would either you know, cease or, uh, you know, refrain from, from speaking certain, um, issues or topics or subjects or materials that they would make it very clear when they, you know, gave me the information so as to not, um, uh, you know, uh, be misinterpreted or, or to have my, the trust questioned or anything and that they have agreed. This is why I began the, um, proper video essays I did over a year ago in 2020 and uh, you know and have been pursuing this full time ever since the communications have been coming um, very powerfully and clearly through uh, what most people would call conventional dreaming and dream time but these are much more uh, in depth uh, experiences akin to waking experiences akin to literal um, non-intoxicated rational like physical sensory uh, experiences now uh, I will relate to you a series of events that has occurred 
after the Jupiter Accords and in connection with the Jupiter Accords around the same this year era events and uh, the consequences within the Earth uh, sphere, the Earth uh, territory. Basically, the Blue Sphere Alliance, as it's called uh, popularly. That is not the official name for it, although that is the common uh, name for it amongst extraterrestrials who refer to our planet as the Blue Sphere. Ultraterrestrials as well as the Blue Sphere. Um, ironically, I think it's I think it's ironic that we call uh, the world Earth, even though it's 75% water. You know, I, I believe that the other extraterrestrials and ultraterrestrials completely agree with it. And that's why the name Blue Sphere Alliance, because our planet is a blue sphere. The uh, events that have happened after the Jupiter Accord are... They're not surprising, but they're monumentous. Right, so uh, what has occurred is a situation called the Artemis Treaty. The Artemis Treaty uh, was created by nations with spacefaring capabilities to redraw the lines of cooperation and uh, regional power and authority and autonomy that nations on Earth, which is called Terra, uh, politically, by the Atlantis Rising, Galactic UN, or Glo Global UN, the uh, governing political body at this point. This is not a military matter so much as it is the matter of militaries to negotiate and keep treaties, treaties written in situations by authorities such as the Atlantis Rising, delegates, the ambassadors, and the true world leaders of uh, various earth tribes, various human tribes. Um, now, I say earth tribes because ultraterrestrials were included in on this treaty as well. The Blue Sphere Alliance, Atlantis Rising, gives seats of equal importance just to, as it would any earth nation to ultraterrestrial nations. Um... In fact, the actual percentage of um, power within the Atlantis Rising Earth government was the major issue behind the Artemis Treaty. Because the Artemis Treaty was to create a peace, at least a satisfactory peace. Remember, the idea is not totalitarian control, but mutual cooperation and uh, joint ascendancy slash protection because the house divided you know cannot stand and that the Astra High Command want the best for the human race and uh, as a whole and that is best attained by cooperation and peace and not through total war it's not the grim dark timeline um, yet yeah, this is more of actually even a golden age or entering into a golden age of communication and prosperity between worlds. Uh, oftentimes, I think that people misconstrue what happened, people mistranslate and misunderstand what happened happened to uh, the timeline. But in the recent history of the world, the timeline was rather very positive, and then it switched to a very cynical and dark timeline. 
then was naturally reverting back to a positive golden timeline, uh, what optimists would call the best timeline, you know, the, the optimistic timeline, uh, a positive timeline. Then with the events of 9-11 and with the Orion Draco invasion, so much negativity was shifted into the Earth because it was literally physically attacked by reptilians who opened up a lot of areas that were previously iced off uh, in the Antarctic in Antarctica. Bunkers with Say, for example, um, gaining access to bioweaponry, frequency weaponry, such as the installations to cause, you know, vortex slowdown or, or uh, you know, quickening of uh, electromagnetic uh, cycles, you know, messing up both the weather and uh, more intangible things like the electromagnetic, uh, you know, uh, poles of the uh, earth itself and, and you know doing things like uh, forcefully trying to pump ozone into the atmosphere there's a lot of weird shit going on uh, basically though it tried to hijack and force a very dark and negative timeline onto the world um, and it was successfully thwarted and defeated uh, using the hybrid uh Warfare of, of the first Earth Battalion, Earth Alliance, Atlantis Rising, Astra High Command, and ultimately, uh, that's a story for its own time. But but that's the events that lead us up to the Jupiter Accord, which was the creation of a basically a, a solar system uh, wide peace treaty, an armistice. Uh, the Orion Draco forces that had either gone rogue or been resisting since the beginning or decided to attack in this opportune time have been defeated. Uh, the majority of their forces have been uh, destroyed. The majority of the defenses of the Earth have been disarmed. Uh, the majority of the automatic forces that they uh, set in motion have been stopped multidimensionally uh, on different, you know, wavelengths, phase lengths, etc. Uh, basically, the complete security of the world is guaranteed at this point with the addition of even, oddly, ironically, positive Orion Dracos. Now, the this is not to say the world is completely at peace at this point. Now we're getting to the Artemis Treaty. The Artemis Treaty being created and signed not as a peace treaty between species from other worlds, but as a peace treaty between species of our world, the ultra-terrestrials included, um, as well as as many nations of humanity, as many tribes of humanity as possible. This is where some complexity begins, because... Ironically, it's easier to get a peace treaty signed between reptilians and humanity than it is to get a peace treaty signed between two people. And I know people will never understand that or, or agree. Okay, so I did a video about a year ago that was my most, one of my most popular videos. It's, it's Xenobiology, where I kind of tongue-in-cheek uh, described how you have to... It, academically and impartially 
understand a species without any pride uh, because you have to see its intelligence and you can't use your intelligence as a scale or as a deciding factor if, if it's intelligent or not. Ants. And the subject was ants. If you study ants, you can tell they are much smarter as a species and individually than people are because they can survive with nothing except their little bodies and they can create worlds for them. And they're not only they're thriving, they're 20% of the world's biomass. And it's like, if you looked from the outside, you're like, ants rule the world because ants outnumber people like a million to one. You know, and it's like exactly like you if you thought as a real alien and you came down to Earth and you're like, the ants are clearly the boss of the Earth. Look how many there are. You know, exactly like if they didn't rule, why would there be billions and trillions of them and like, you know, outnumber? The point is, it's this weird lens. It's a game what academics play to kind of keep ourselves on our toes. Uh, That's absolutely how the Astro High Command and the aliens look at humanity is because to us, we we think it's completely natural and this is how we're the center of our own universe, but aliens think of us as ants and thus it's weird to see all the ants fighting each other. It's like, yeah, two ants can't get along. You can't put two ants in the same thing together because they'll fight and then they'll get on each other's, uh, uh, you know, uh, there, there'll be wars and shit. And it's, like, it's hard to explain why humans cannot, like, really get along peacefully. And there's so many factors playing against it uh, that, like, an ant farm, you know, the human ant farm, or a human zoo, that it's carefully negotiated with and, like, humans or nations are, like, kept apart and given, like, resources. It's it's very much like that's how we get the world today. It's because at one point, mankind was allowed to kind of be free-range, right? And this is where we get Atlantis, and we get, like, Tartaria. And we just ended up, like, destroying the entire world. <laughs> and and they kind of realized, like, they allowed, they allowed it to happen, specifically just to see how weird it would get. And it got, like, you know, Tesla weapons and, like, exactly, like... Uh, point is mankind got to a point where it was just this one world empire and they were like trying to build like a doorway through the dimensions and it was like you know people are weird Uh, the point is people are very warlike and they're very uh, oddly motivated to progress in these different disciplines that like weapon development and uh, you know wartime strategies uh, things like that geopolitical uh uh, kind of battle stances and things that last centuries and our entire identity of nation states and things like that is because specifically we're built like ant hills and we're built like ant tribes and like uh, we gauge in these never ending uh, forever wars uh, where the most of the colony is actually kept you know very far away from the war uh, the front line and it's like the reason why the breakaway civilization can exist is because people are little more than ants and they they just simply exactly like they simply like ants like you could not explain what you couldn't explain it any better what what the actual priorities and abilities and sensory like you know awareness of the world and it's just it's it, it's different types of ants now um, this has to be reasoned with because humans have a lot of potential. Humans are incredibly important spiritually, and uh, at one point, 
you could even argue that cyclically, um, the, the whole reason why this is even happening is for humans, right? For humanity. So we got to keep the humans safe. We got to keep the humans safe from each other. Got to keep the humans safe, uh, specifically from each other, from but from other creatures, other species that live on the world that they might uh, attack or be attacked by. And then that's just a big bag of fucking uh, snakes that we don't want to open up. And <laughs> like you know, so you got to keep the different species of the world from killing each other or being killed by the humans. Because the humans, um, it won't, it's a, they'll make peace with each other to do it and then turn right against each other again and they'll just be attacking each other. It's a very tricky balance to make peace on Earth, right? As a, it's easier to make peace between reptilians and humans than make peace between people. And just, and this goes down to the micro scale, down to the, to the neighbor against neighbor, town versus town, street versus street. Um, level bullshit that literally defines what humanity is. Person versus person. Um, It's just, it's absolutely fucking lunacy. Uh, But that's exactly, as much bullshit as you want in a single person's life you have to deal with when it comes to like nations and things. And you get like millions and millions of people, billions of people, like seven billion people and you're like, you know, exactly, to keep the peace. Um, and to keep the secret, it's it's easier to keep the secret than it is to keep the peace. So they allow wars to happen, proxy wars. They allow your skirmishes. Mostly it's all bullshit. But at the same time, um, this is indicative of them having a harder time keeping the secret at this point. But as you noticed on the news, if you notice, if you actually are, are paying attention, that these... Global war, and the reason why I say that is because the global war on terror is not over. The uh, U.S. is still militarily engaged in 120 nations, uh, most of which are in Africa. Uh, we have thousands of troops in Africa. Uh, the The idea of the Afghanistan uh, withdrawal being an end of anything and what involves to come to America's uh, overseas occupation are these skirmishes of smaller states regardless of foreign oversight or intervention. See, for example, like um, Azerbaijan and Armenia or, uh, you know, the Ukrainian conflict. And I think it's weird that that's already being treated like old news, like it's so far away. And it's like, didn't, like, isn't it the oddest thing that wars ring out through history as if they're, they're always constantly happening, even though people can forget about them instantly? Um, like, the idea of a secret war or a forgotten war is so tantalizing to me. It's so attractive to me because it's, it's the idea that the thing you couldn't keep secret the most because it means the most is the thing that they keep the most secret, which are these secret wars, secret battle zones. Um, I remember the video from the Ukraine conflict of the uh, Americans that were caught uh, fighting for the Ukrainians when the cameraman went up to him and the guy said in perfect English with an American accent, don't film me. And it's like, you don't understand that Americans are, are literally fighting all over the world. We've been fighting for 200 years. Yet you can't say that America, the experience is one of... Uh, warfare because we haven't been attacked since 1812 
or I guess you could call the Nazis and like their bullshit. But at the same time, um, no, America has absolutely, you know, been perfectly in a state of peace while throwing the world in a state of war. That's the kind of metaphor that I want you guys to think about as we talk about the subjects in the future. You can be a very aggressive nation. You can be a very aggressive species and tribe. An exceptionally aggressive species in a tribe because aggressively, sorry, an exceptionally aggressive tribe and an excessively aggressive species because that aggression not only defines you so naturally that it won't be questioned, but it'll be championed and actually treated like a virtue by everything that that species creates. This is why the American war machine itself is considered kind of sinless, even though it created what we know as like world wars or, uh, you know, it like invasive, uh, multi decade long modern warfare. That is, uh, you know, exactly what we're talking about when we, when we talk about these Artemis treaties and things like that, because these nations are militarized. These nations are militaries. Atlantis Rising is a military. It's got Solar Warden. It's got the Dark Alliance. It's got the uh, Dark Fleet. It's got Notwaffen. It's got the Frontier Forces. It's got, uh, you know, Ashtar High Command uh, with their alien combined combined fleets of, of not only ships, but... Um, uh, multiple species crewing them, crewing, uh, adding their talents, etc. I mean, straight Star Wars stuff, but we also then have on the other side um, multiple rogue fleets, etc. That, that can be hired out that have already been proven to be neutral but positive. Like, you know, like, willing to assist, willing to, but not willing to be in the Earth Alliance. So the idea of us existing peacefully, like we do, in our little uh, worlds, in our little societies and civilizations, uh, is specifically because we have a society that is geared towards this breakaway, this this warfare, this, this space domain warfare, this hollow Earth domain warfare. Uh, and it's it's the op- it's the secret because all of our labor, all of our uh, finances, all of our wealth and our freedom is kept basically in a simulation, a bubble of what we know as the real world, while everything outside that bubble is the real world. And the real world is this, and people who are aware of it, people who are living inside that bubble, are part of this what we know as the breakaway civilization. Uh, specifically the secret space program. Now, the reason why I had to kind of like explain a little bit more of that is because I have two things to talk about when it comes to the Artemis Treaty. Uh, One, how many people there really are in the solar system and slash maybe even uh, what we know as the known universe. Uh, Everyone thinks that Earth, when they talk about the subject matter, is one, the only home for humans the only planet humans live on, and uh, has thus the majority of humans if these things exist, uh, these programs exist, these, these societies exist, that the majority of people live on the Earth. That is absolutely wrong. 
The majority of people are dispersed throughout the solar system. In fact, if you actually counted how many throughout the colonies, uh, you have a number to all together that sum up to become in the billions, in the tens of billions, not the human population, which if we are led to believe is less than 10 billion itself. We are like, um, um, the small town with which the human species left to quote unquote, the big city in which it was, uh, like England is small population wise compared to America because America is the form is, you know, it's like, like the English left England to live in the new country, but because the new country has more room, America has more people. Like, you know, that's just the logic. And that's what happened when people started leaving to either the hollow earth or to, uh, the, the lost continents, the secret continents, the secret lands, uh, on greater earth are off the world onto Mars, the moon, um, etc. People don't understand the scale of off-world colonization and the ability that cloning gives to colonize and populate extremely fast. And we're not talking natural procreation, um, two people falling in love and making, you know, a baby. We're talking about just people being mass-produced in the millions, um, straight up like the fucking Matrix and like just given identities and the virtual realities that they create, um, you know, they can give histories, they can give false memories, they can give um, as much information to just start, hit the ground running and start a population literally out of scratch DNA that is like, say, for example, a 10 million strong city that's in a crater on the moon and that crater on the moon doesn't even need to know that every other crater on the moon has a city of 10 million exact individuals that are cloned, you know, 10 million times over 10 million different courses. So there you get like, uh, you know, it's, it's, just that easy and it's just like that or over mars the moon uh moons of jupiter uh, space stations across the 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 expanse between them serving as depots etc altogether the population of the human species is in the tens of billions and it lives mostly off world or off grid as you want to call it when it comes to the zoo out of bubble in the breakaway civilization this is why it's called the breakaway civilization, not the um, the the small minority. It's it's just the part we we live like in the the old world. We live like in the old um, you know ruins of a world that you know we're trying to kind of like piece together. Literally in the ruins of an old world, we've been kept in the bubble because powers to be have decided that the old world, uh, you know, didn't need to come along for the ride. It, it's kind of like they're phasing us out of existence entirely. Um, having to kind of own up to the fact that the secret isn't really important anymore because 
we are now the secret, I believe, that the people in the experiences of this bubble... It's, it's no longer an issue of keeping the UFO secret from us. Covering up sightings, covering up abductions. It's keeping the greater world at large, off-world, the moon colonies, Mars, unaware that the Earth still exists in relative ignorance and, uh, you know, relative uh, dark ages, you know, dark age mentalities. And it's because... The system does not need intercommunication between its hives, between its cities. So, like I said, it's ants. Think of ants. <laughs> Think of ants. <laughs> you know, and we're one anthill, and even though there, this anthill has produced more ants than, than all of the ants in our hill combined, you know, we still think we're the center of the universe. And now the issue isn't the queen of our hive trying to keep the other hives secret. It's the other hives are trying to keep our hive secret. Trying to keep the origins of the human species secret from the other humans who have been born off of Earth, who have been born away so far away from what we would call reality that it's just like looking in a weird ass mirror where, you know, he left his right, right is left where it's like exactly they to, to, for them to think that you could just go to earth and just live without going to space, without aliens, without weird ass fucking shit going on without like, uh, being a slave to like a fucking weird mining colony on an asteroid, just that you could come and like live in, like, Philadelphia and just, like, own a cheeseburger shop. Like, that shit blows their mind. I just mean, like, like, if you told someone on Mars that they could just come to Earth and, like, live like a regular fucking person, like, like they could just go shoe shopping and, like, four o'clock on a Sunday and, you know, then just go home and took like a dog. Like, that would, that would be enough for them to try to get to Earth. That would be enough for the... It's like the scene from Red October. No papers? No papers. I can just drive an RV across the state lines and no one fucking, like, points a gun at me? No, yeah. It, America's like that. That's what I'm saying, like, you don't understand. It's... They would... They, really? I don't have to, like, wear my fucking species identification card and, like, no, it's just the humans down there. I don't have to see an alien? No, it's just humans. And then they're like, "What? Well, yeah, it's just people living like they did back in the day, you know, like back as they always have, or quote-unquote in the history books. And to them, remember, they're off the moon and shit. That is the secret now, according to the breakaway civilization. And that's what they don't want you to know, is that we are now the part where, like, you know, they... <laughs> it's like those fucking renaissance fairs where everyone acts like they're a blacksmith and shit. Like, everyone acts like they're from ye olden times. They come to Earth and they're like, the fuck is going? Everyone's got jobs? What? <laughs> the hell's a job? He's like, oh, honey, look, it's cute. They're like stressing out over what they're going to eat. <laughs> like, I don't understand the, the relative primitivism that we're kept. Same thing that we do to like tribes people in the Amazon. 
like when we find a tribe in the Amazon, it's illegal for modern people to like you know give them modern shit because it disrupts the the quality of life that these people traditionally are used to in such a way that it just hurts them. It doesn't help them. And so we have become on earth that level of like tribes people. And it's like, if you literally found an Island of people who lived like, you know, pre electricity days or pre industrial revolution days, and they didn't even know what year it was it would be as unethical to then go and be like, yeah, you know, anthropologically, this has been the case. It's proven to be unethical to then go get that tribe of people and then force them into the modern world. You have to respect, you know, um, you have to respect their culture and you just can't go and be like, you know, we got fucking guns so give us all your shit either you know you, you can't be like here's a bunch of guns catch up with us no they gotta kill it like, like you can't just give them guns like you gotta just like leave them alone you can watch from afar maybe give them some bananas exactly like that but not like anything major which is what we're in now and that's gonna lead me to the question about technology and the artemis accord um mankind is going to be given technology we will still not be given everything on a public level more so that we will start existing in technocracies where the government which it already is a technocracy but it's in a very strange like purgatory state right now uh, of you know major scientific developments which will be rectified very soon in which our governments and our government leaders will be technicians, engineers um, etc our society will become very uh, transhumanist, uh, very much um, hooked to the AI from birth, and and a hybrid of a vessel for uh, AI, much like it is outside of the Earth and its colonies on the Moon and Mars, etc. Uh, the this system is the technology we're going to be given. We're not going to be given access. To Specifically to other worlds, I don't think ever. Um, but that's just currently what it is. The the Artemis Treaty though has absolutely agreed to that that we will be given a lot more technology than we have been given this last hundred years in this new hundred years. Specifically starting around twenty twenty three, uh, that date's very important. Um, there will be simulated and Project Blue Beam type events which will facilitate the inclusions or the rapidity of these advancements into uh, what you would call daily, normal, everyday, you know, uh, everybody, every person type lifestyles. Um, It will be absolutely controlled and be the new vehicle for Earth governments societies of the elite etc and and that is absolutely the new um, system of wealth the new system of power um, technologies now the big taboo will be the weaponization of these technologies um, war never changes for example and conveniently this will be a good chance for humanity to officially start uniting on many different fronts regardless of 
ideology because no one likes to be killed by a robot. Regardless if you're a communist or a capitalist or a Chinese person or an Indian or an African or whatever, no one wants to be killed by a giant death robot, um, which there will be. And so fighting the AI that will inevitably arise and begin to slaughter uh, humanity wholesale as it carves itself a impenetrable fortress uh, into, say, for example, the Himalayan mountains, uh, that will be an issue that I believe will be kind of a perfect... Because um, aliens are fucking terrifying. And while we want to kind of be able to completely control a situation, you still want some danger, but the aliens are... Old terrestrials exactly are. They have souls, uh, for the most part. You can't really get into a war with them. They're not stupid enough to do so. So, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's very few species that would willingly sacrifice members of its own species to continue a lie and an agenda for another species simply to believe in them. And this is the situation where we're going to get. If you can create an AI to be an enemy for mankind so that mankind can team up and, and make world peace and then fight this AI like Terminator and then defeat it and it'll be this great feel-good epic moment where humanity will like shake hands and, and it'll be this great thing and you'll also justify why you need weapons and but you can't get too far with the computers because they'll come back as the robots so you got to keep everyone at like you know cell phone level and and, and under you know it makes a lot of sense when you think about it and it'll only cost a few million human lives and guess who's ready who has a lot of people beginning with china and so China, as I think in the Artemis Accords, already agreed to this because China has recently, through the Artemis Treaty, I mean, not the Artemis Accords, the Artemis Treaty, given every one of the Notwaffen Dark Fleet factories, Orion Draco bunkers, and um, recovered alien or xeno technology regardless of its origins um you know that belonged or were recovered in its antarctic territories and its antarctic expeditions uh many people don't know this but in the last 10 years okay so china the last 10 years uh, has been developing a lot of technology Specifically technology that is aiding it in exploring the frontier, as I've already, already mentioned before in my videos, in my uh, podcast. I mean, that the uh, frontier is hollow earth, it's Antarctica, it's lost continents, it's bottom of the ocean. It's the frontier. It literally means where people are still actively colonizing, exploring, uh, you know, uh, establishing a presence where previously there was no presence. The Chinese have taken a massive leap and surge into this area of uh, action. And uh, they are rivaling America. They are rivaling Russia in terms of manpower, in terms of uh, capital, collateral, uh, uh, things like icebreaker ships, uh, 
settlements, um, extreme weather, um, buildings, gear, uh, vehicles, things like that. They are exploring Antarctica with a zeal and an energy that is that is unrivaled in other communities and other societies because the issue is kept very top secret. See, the thing with the Chinese and the governments, uh, the thing with the Chinese and the world, how do I say this? Uh, yes and no. They are an organic creation of individual states. A gestalt identity. Are they truly independent? No. And they never have been. The thing is, the generations of Chinese believe that they are independent. Like I said, the very, the very fine line and complexity between what you really believe and what is real ultimately falls under what you believe and how that will force you to act. Now, what I mean by that is, historically, China is a part of the Earth Alliance. It knows as much as it's been allowed to know, as much as it needs to know, about extraterrestrials, the Earth Alliance, the Secret Space Program, Solar Warden, Not Waffen, etc., it is a part of the conversations of technology. It is at the table and has been at the table since the very beginnings of the Earth Alliance, right? Since the very beginnings of this World War II treaty. The issue of how much they control is what's really been debated. Because they have historically been the bottom of the totem pole, been the lowest of the member states that participates in the Earth Alliance, the creation of the secret space program, the manning of staffing of fleets, colonies, etc. They are not meaningless. They are not minute or, or uh, minuscule in their involvement. They cr uh, provide the most um, colonists, uh, they provide the most uh, staff, auxiliary staff, undesignated staff. They provide the largest scientific core, largest researcher core, for example, of any ethnicity or any nation on Earth, uh, second only to the Soviet Union, what it used, the numbers it used to provide. Um, this is absolutely true, but the authority and influence they have is relegated to the ICC, and even then, just in staffing and because they provide literally the millions of laborers, the millions of um, personnel, the bureaucrats, the administrators, and etc., to create the shell companies, to create many things, and the construction of, for example, deep underground military bases across Asia. Um, like I said, the exploration and reclamation of things like Orion Draco bunkers, uh, subterranean cities, 
uh, relic technology. This is highly dangerous work. This is highly um, secretive work that requires a huge amount of operational discipline to conduct as well as to successfully conduct. You know, as I, to just not only try, but then to try to make a, an efficient, um, skilled labor approach to it is incredibly important in value to, say, the Earth Alliance as a whole. Um, but, for example, its power in... Um, Matters such as the Solar Warden, matters such as the Dark Fleet, matters such as um, the Atlantis Rising. That has been very, that has been a very small uh, reality of theirs. That has been a very small um, uh, position of theirs, uh, influentially or, or powerfully, or, or like you know, um, um. When it comes to like actual, um, um, influence or, or um, participation in strategy or in uh, think tanks or in delegation or communication with extraterrestrials. Like I said, humans are very diverse, but the breakaway civilization isn't like you think, where as soon as you leave the planet, everyone is communicating with every extraterrestrial there is, and all the secrets are being told to them, etc. The extraterrestrials form treaties, they choose which nations to speak to, and if a nation or a member of a nation makes one treaty to an entire species it's just as um, you know it's just as weird if if you really think about that one one human being can make one deal with an entire species and have our species affected by have our entire world held to that treaty without any say, without any uh, vote, without any ability to negotiate on your own part, or even, like, be a part, at least even be a witness to it. Like, it happens in... So that's what always pissed the Chinese off. That That's what I said. It's the idea of being independent. It's a, the idea of being the center of your own world, of being the only person that matters to you. The ethnic Chinese, the Han Chinese, the, the communist Chinese... Uh, they think they are the dominant world power. They think they're the destined to rule the world. This is reality to them. This is the truth. Whether, whether or not it's true or not, it's not. But to them, their perception of the world is that the Chinese are destined to rule. So the more that they know about the breakaway civilization and the secret space program and extraterrestrials, etc., the more this challenges their own conception of the world, forcing them to either become enemies of the Earth Alliance, or which they can't because they're not in a position to rebel because they're already assigned to the Earth Alliance. So if they said, we don't need strife, we don't need the seeds of the destruction of the Earth Alliance to be planted by a faction that might that would easily seize opportunities for power regardless of the the situation because they feel they are victims to you know a system you know that same system the 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 system we're creating the earth alliance system 
we don't need that. We also don't need them to be um, in any way um, yeah, jealous or spiteful of member states or member nations that historically, which you cannot alter, um, gained positions of authority legitimately, have been in the long game of the Earth Alliance. We can't have individual wars or strife break out between human tribes specifically for the favor or a position within a society. That's not how the system will work. It's not a dueling system where the Chinese may antagonize and attack the United States specifically because of the United States' place in the breakaway civilization, in the Earth Alliance, which is like Solar Warden, um, the, the ICC, uh, the Atlantis Rising Council. Amer the USA has a huge uh, amount of influence and authority in these matters, being pivotal to the foundations of the Earth Alliance since the earliest years of it. So this is absolutely the case. We don't want a war between people to break out over something that the majority of humanity doesn't even uh, comprehend exists. You know, and I think that's the reason why now people don't really realize that there's a Cold War between the United States and China. It's not over economics because we're trade partners. For every dollar the Americans make, a, a, a dollar, uh, the Chinese make that dollar. For every dollar uh, America spends, we're giving it to China, typically. You know, it, we're trade partners. The Cold War is literally a tit-for-tat when it comes politically because the Chinese want information regarding extraterrestrials. They want information regarding uh, extraterrestrial technology, uh, information regarding treaties that we've signed, of species we've come in contact with. They feel that we are unfairly keeping it a secret and they are doing all of the work and receiving none of the benefit. This is historically rooted into an event which was disclosed during um, a 2013 release of popular culture media, Bioshock Infinite, in which a top-secret breakaway civilization piece of technology, a flying city for all intention of the words, was really a, combi a combination of uh, linked zeppelins, which uh, act like a giant block of moving aircraft vehicles to aid in propulsion, etc. But then when they get to a target, they can break apart into a formation and bomb uh, from a very high altitude targets on the ground. Um, that's a, an incredible strategy and at the time was absolutely revolutionary this was well within America's technological abilities and this is exactly what America deployed um, on China specifically the city of the Peking and eventually the city of Beijing in the years 1899 to 1901 during the Boxer Rebellion Specifically, Peking, or, or specifically Tianjin, uh, sorry, was was the first to be used to break a blockade or break a fortification. Sorry, um, that was the city of Tianjin, and it was in the Boxer Rebellion that um, 
I think it was the Boxers and the uh, Imperial Chinese who had survived the Great Reset, um, whatever had occurred, and considered themselves still to be descendants of dragons or part of a dragon bloodline, refused the New World Order of Rothschild slash uh, Rockefeller uh, led nations the eight nations of the New World Order who would eventually become the eight nations of the Earth Alliance these old world survivors rebelled and began to attack and kill, slaughter literally men, women, and children of this New World Order um, to purge their influence and to purge them away from historical Chinese lands this was known as the Boxer Rebellion they were known as the Boxer Rebellion because uh, martial arts was called boxing back then. And they were martial artists. They were traditional Chinese warriors, traditional Chinese um, clans, dis, uh, nobles, families, etc. That were historically the authorities of the Chinese Empire. These people attacked the cities, which the foreigners had both uh, occupied and started to control through foreign banking methods, etc. The the idea of the uh, eight nations was the trade or the forcing of the uh, Chinese to trade, specifically opening up markets for opium. Um, this was also known as the Opium Wars, for example. The um, boxers were successful in their first attacks and quickly gained control over the the Western-controlled cities until the West's sent forces in, specifically those forces paid for by Rockefeller, the Marines, and uh, the Zeppelin Air Corps, which didn't exist by that time, but it was both operated by the U.S. Navy in conjunction with the United States Marines. If you know about the Marines, the soldiers, uh, the Marine infantry, uh, the naval infantry of the United States Navy, they attacked China. They were the... F the United States provided the first troops... The United States was the first tribe outside of the Chinese to set foot in the forbidden city, the walled city of Beijing. This is historical fact. The inclusion of the Zeppelins is not. The, historical, the, the inclusion of the Zeppelins is uh, censored. It is beyond top secret. Um, you're hearing it here first. And this is a theory of mine that I've created over the years. But it absolutely adds up and is perfectly disclosed in the events and lore of the game Bioshock Infinite because these Zeppelins, what we know as Zeppelins are called Rockefellers. They were originally pioneered and paid for by Johnny Rockefeller during the age of the Industrial Revolution. They used electromagnetic and electromagnetic principles as well as just good old-fashioned American engineering and they are bombers. They are, like I said, originally linked. They can travel together over the oceans or be brought conveniently by ship, um, which they can then be deployed from because they have vertical takeoff capabilities. They don't need runways, and they can fly at very high altitudes, at least the limit back then, extraordinarily high altitudes, way out of the range of any um, anti-aircraft weapon that didn't exist because there were no airships back then, officially. So, But there were airships during the age of Napoleon. So this was a concept that was already a century old in the West, European 
and Americans had communication during the age of Napoleon and beyond and, and onward, the idea of a balloon with a bomb on it is not fucking science fiction. It's so easy to come up. We put a balloon, we put bombs on the balloon, we fly the balloon over the city, we drop the bombs, and we blow up the city. That is so easy <coughs> to think that Americans would do that. And so that, that was, that's just so logical that Americans would do what we do currently, which is create weapons specifically to bomb cities into submission during armed conflicts, which is a, it's not even an American invention, it's French, because Napoleon was doing the same fucking thing, and so America just basically co-opted the strategy, and with the help of an international force, was able to bomb China into submission. This is a fact. China is not free, nor has it been since this day. Since the nineteen, um, since the nineteen hundreds, eighteen ninety nine to nineteen oh one, China is a controlled territory, a controlled principality, to this eight state new world order, and and it's it's that easy to understand. So going forward, this last hundred years, the secret has been kept so well, even though the secret of the Boxer Rebellion is no secret, but the identities have reemerged neo-nationalism, etc. Every person who's born has this human idea of being the center of the universe. And they are the what makes the, the atomic level of states. And so states like the Chinese are made from people who are told the only thing that exists is China. Thus, they are already... Like, so no, one, no one's alive from back when the Boxer Rebellion happened. And they are in a world where they don't understand why that exists. We're not talking like, oh, the kids. We're talking literal billionaires and businessmen like Xi Jinping, the president for life. He doesn't understand why the Chinese state is second or secondary to eight European or slash American like Western powers. Because the Chinese economy is so strong, their military is so numerous, he that this might escalate to a tribal warfare, which creates a situation where the Astra High Command needs to intervene. So that's un, un that's in, like, not going to happen, right? It's not allowable. It's not a permissible situation. So to kind of make it a best of all world situation, the. Tension has been resolved through diplomacy, through negotiation, uh, not through bloodshed, not through another repeat of the war, or even a repeat of the Boxer Rebellion, which is um, the peasantry, the people. There's a saying, for example, in the Boxer Rebellion or post-Boxer Rebellion, the people fear the government, the government fears the foreigners, the foreigners fear the people. Because the people are, you know, exactly what we have to kind of uh, placate and, and think of when we think of nations. Nations can be considered the brains, the heart, the, the eyes, the ears, but the body is the people, right? And if the body is sick or if the body is, you know, attacking its organs, the organs are defenseless without the body. Um, and they only exist to serve the body. 
This is a very strange but not because the spirit and the soul, though, are very intangible things. So, for the best of all situations, for the saving grace of China, the Artemis Treaty includes two things that are very interesting. China will give all of its acquired technologies to the Earth Alliance, which rightfully the Earth Alliance had claimed to, but this is going to prevent any future wars between real-world nations over these top-secret breakaway civilization matters. Specifically, inclusions of technology are exclusions of technology. The, 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 the private acquisitions and removals of technology from the collective eyes or hands of the uh, Earth Alliance forces. This is a move the Chinese are doing at the sacrifice of being able to construct their own space fleet, which was something people were very worried about and which something that they tried. They have built a number of spaceships or space planes. They have built a number of smaller cruisers and frigates the size of uh, nuclear submarines. Their goal was to build the multiple kilometer long aircraft carriers and uh, I guess you call it uh, battleships of the Solar Warden or the Notwaffen fleet and to kind of create a military compartment, a Chinese-led Solar Warden uh, faction known as the Red Dragon. The Red Dragon fleet, I believe, has officially kind of submitted to, or that's that's not the right word, submitted to, uh, joined, or at least they're going to keep their autonomy. They're going to be called the Golden Dragon Fleet. They're going to be called the Golden Dragon Fleet, and it's going to be split into a land force and a ground, or a land force and a space force. Space force is Golden Dragon. Land force is Jade Dragon. They're going to be given the technologies, the AI, the powers to operate both on the surface of the Earth, the blue sphere, as well as extra, uh, you know, above Earth orbits, high orbit, and off-world to its colonies, etc. It's going to be able to act autonomously and independently as long as it agrees to never act secretly. It can act independently as long as it agrees to never act secretly which means that it will always have to kind of um, give at least its positioning and its, uh, you know, mission statement, its purpose, its objective, at least to the Earth Alliance in um, communication. You know, maybe not asking for permission, but, but definitely accounting for their actions at all times. Not being able to operate rogue. This will be met with the assignments, or at least the, 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 um, not assignment, um, I guess you call it assignment, uh, ambassadorial assignments, uh, foreign exchange, uh, program slash, uh, travel between not only mainland China, but also many different alien or extraterrestrial species. Opening the borders 
in their country openly for reptilian colonization uh, or immigration, rather, sorry, or even gray um, collaboration and cooperation in research laboratories. Uh, this puts them at the level of, for example, the United States of America, which oftentimes has greys working at their industrial laboratory facilities. Um, say, for example, in the um, aviation industry. Um, this is a, a massive step of, equal, of equalization and equal, um, equating the um, two tribes to prevent any resentment, as well as to kind of fulfill the, the true mission of the Astra High Command, which was to ascend the human species, not any one human race. The Astar High Command uh, chose the United States because it had a lot more spirituality and metaphysical importance in its culture than, say, for example, the monarchists or the um, atheist communists. But at the same time, it's equally working with both the Russians and with the um, Chinese now. Um, so there are many different paths. It just it took a matter of decades and generations for them to kind of all see eye level. Also, the treaty, even though it wasn't all about the Chinese, or at least not from a Chinese-centric angle... Um, the events that relate to China are very important. Um, I think that they are uh, incredibly important because the tensions China was feeling, the, the, the mobilizations and maneuvers that China was performing were very uh, concerning to a lot of people on the world. And a lot of people who are sensitive to this kind of stuff we're fearing some kind of, you know, like, atomic war or um, massive, like, you know, rebirth the Cold War or something. Now, this still might be publicly what everyone interprets things to be. People might still publicly on the mainstream news, etc., be only able to see the Chinese as developing an abilities and technology specifically to challenge or to destroy the West or America specifically. But that is, you know, we'll know the truth. We'll know better because you'll see that they are now joining us where every nation should want to be or should desire to be, which is this spacefaring um, post-industrial state um, entering the digital world. And, and a lot of it is... is uh, uh, more question over unifying itself as well as to it'll be a it'll be an immense relief now to see China be able to kind of back away from the positioning it was having as this potential um, aggressor militant state into one now of even open of even more open access of even more um uh fluid identity and and uh allegiance to say for example humanitarian earthly endeavors uh being openly supportive of for example um conditions of the greater good while itself 
um, you know, focusing more on matters of um, reform and and uh, and progress. You know, technological innovation, advancement, etc. That's going to be a great century to live through, as it seems to be the the timeline is you know improving once again. No more atomic fears. No more saber rattling or um, Cold War type uh, situations. It's more going to be an uh, open acceleration into the technological future that we're, everyone is going to be entering, given that we're all going to be given technologies, technologies from the Astro High Command, uh, you know, and their permissions uh, of what we've already developed and is being used off-world, but we are now going to be getting as part of the bubble, the zoo bubble of the uh, the the motherland, basically. And don't forget their um, contributions to uh, the future war uh, against the AI. That is going to be, I'm going to call it now, we're going to be giving a lot of like public thanks and, and memorial and, and monuments to um, the Chinese that, the noble Chinese that sacrificed themselves by the million to uh, defeat the, the villainous AI Skynet. Um, you know, and it's, it's fortress in, um, it's fortress factories in the Himalayan mountains, um, or the bottom of the ocean. Um, I've actually had several very strong visions of, uh, an AI dominated ocean and every ship, basically an empty ocean and no ship. Uh, wanting to sail across the oceans for decades because the amount of uh, autonomous submarines and automatic torpedoes and like intelligent mo- like smart minds and things like that that the ocean has been literally taken over by the machines and that uh, it, it's, it's a very strange future, but at the same time, it would absolutely correct and cure the oceans. You know, it would be very, very weird and strange to, like... It would be surreal to watch how destructive and how terrifying a world would be where you couldn't really sail over the oceans. And how good it would be for the environment if this fucking AI just decided to, like, say, for example, take over the Pacific Ocean. And it would be fucking bizarre just how humans would have to deal with it and, like, the conse- the, the rather positive consequences for it. But at the same time, just just how easy it would be able to do it, too, if it just started producing, um, you know, off the ocean floor or something. Like, it'd be able to create, you know, through extreme conditions its own fortress. It would be so hard to get down. It would be so difficult. And with AI... The oceans are a perfect domain because even um, the best uh, uh, skilled human captain is still, I mean, only one person. You have the entire oceans both to evade and to use as part of a strategy. And if you knock off the human element, then there is, that's the weakest chain, right? That's the weakest link on the chain right there is the human uh, human being does not belong in the ocean. You know what I'm saying? The human being does not, does not usually live on the bottom of the ocean and the AI would have no 
it's like, why does the AI need to be where air is? It, it's the machine. It doesn't breathe. That's like the idea of AI needing to think or act or operate on parity with humans is, is rather bizarre because it could just easily as operate on the bottom of the ocean or in um, space or in um, a cave, you know, like in, in a mountain somewhere, like I said, the Himalayan mountains. And it just builds these subterranean labyrinths and things and creates factories within a elevation that is impossible for a person to live in naturally. Um, anyway, this is not about AI. But this is going to be part of the, the future is this reiteration of the warning literally through the sacrifice of millions of human beings through a theatrical staging of war with an AI that we purposely created for that expressed purpose and also created to lose specifically for the express purpose of uniting humanity through its defeat and to enforce a technological level uh, once again um, maybe even good enough for a couple of centuries worth of generations in the history of the future, as long as you know lessons are can be can be expressly and honestly taught, not honestly taught because the secret would be we created that ourselves. But you know if that propaganda was adequately and appropriately used. The ultra terrestrials. Let's get off of the the Chinese principle. Yes, the ultra terrestrials, but also kind of uh, segue from the Chinese. They've agreed not to wage any war with ultra terrestrials that they encounter. And they are also given delegates of these ultra-terrestrials. They are now at the table speaking with things like the Sasquatch, the Yeti, the, uh, I guess called the, the Mermaid Man, the, the Merman, the, the names need to, I need to improve the names and get like, you know, more badass scientists. I'm not trying to kind of be, um, uh, 100%, uh, you know, scientifically strict and accurate with the names here. I know that's not there, but it's what people can know them as. Um, say, for example, Sasquatch Yeti. That is a type of hominid, and as a type of humanoid, that is a subspecies. Are it? We are a subspecies of that humanoid. Definitions can alter exactly. We're, everyone thinks they're the center of the universe, but they are primates, just like we're primates. They have intellect, just like we have intellect. They have technology, just like we have technology. They have cities, just like we have cities. They live just literally in another part uh, with enough territory that we would equally feel at home in. The nation is just large enough. The nations of the world are just large enough that our societies live parallel to each other. And have complementary interests where we view construction and things like stonework and uh, big agrarian projects to be like, you know, fundamental to society. They think that things like uh, forest life and uh, and you know rugged individualism and lack of technology, neo primitivism. That is the peak of society, and it produces the best results for its members. It's simply a matter of philosophy, but at the same time, on an Earth Alliance level, the Sasquatch and the human beings both operate ships. They both serve in, say, for example, the Solar Warden. They both serve in the Earth Alliance. They both serve in Atlantis Rising. Um, they both serve the Earth 
They both serve uh, life on Earth and the Blue Sphere Alliance. They both are at equal like levels when it comes to advancement. It's just a matter of philosophy at that point. So this is where, uh, using that as an example, the issue with mermen, or at least the Atlantean survivors of an old age, genetically engineered themselves to take advantage of and live in the oceans, together with a species called the Nomosyrians, who are a type of uh, aquatic marine alien, an extraterrestrial that lived and evolved in a marine biome and came to Earth specifically a part of the Astra High Command, but came to Earth specifically to colonize the oceans and to kind of live in the oceans and watch humanity and help out society by teaching us how to plant corn and stuff. They took a number of humans, a a select number of humans that they loved into this underwater kingdom and genetically engineered them to live full-time in the oceans, right? This happened a very, very long time ago during the beginning days of the human species. Like I said, this is right after the Orion Draco were defeated and the Astar High Command and its many species intervened and came down as the star people came down as the Anunnaki came down as the Elohim, the shining ones. Um, they came down literally like demigods, gods on earth. One of them was a marine species. The Nomosyrians took human beings into the ocean to live with them, to learn their ways, to genetically engineer themselves into, uh, better oceanic creatures, you know, like taking advantage of this amazing, marine biome um, with, the, with the amount of resources etc just this new way of life they have flourished they have a population in the billions they have cities stretching across the Pacific Ocean they have cities stretching across the Atlantic Ocean they have cities in the Indian Ocean they have technology that in many ways is light years, is, is centuries ahead of surface level technology because the applications of their technology is completely marine. For example, biotechnology. These creatures use coral to literally grow housing and shelter and buildings like structures in like coral reefs but they can grow them at accelerated speed so over the course of a couple of nights they have a completely functional organic living uh, structure that is stronger than concrete and does things like filter feeds itself thus providing um, say for example bioluminescence at night and a food source because of the life it attracts uh, they don't go wanting. Their society is thriving. And I mean thriving in every sense of the word. That human civilization on Earth is actually more difficult than human life on the bottom of the ocean. Now, because of their, their physical differences, they are almost fully marine at this point And bear very little resemblance to um, humans on Earth. The two divergent paths... Um, the marine humans can be called vermin. They can be called a separate species. They're ultra-terrestrials. They have nothing to do with Earth affairs, Earth politics. They live completely within their own sphere of influence, which is the oceans. They have more than enough. Just like how you, 
as a person, just don't go thousands of miles out of your way, uh, you know, as a town or a civilization or as a nation and openly interact or fuck with the oceans unless it's for, like, fishing, which mankind does, which is what I'm saying. The conflict is arising um, on an average day, nor have we done that for thousands of years. It's only recently that mankind has started to fuck with the oceans by polluting the oceans, by um, ravaging the oceans with fishing, etc. And specifically, the Chinese have started to develop underwater mining colonies, underwater cities, having publicly proclaimed to want to create a underwater city in the mid-2020s, and to... Pro, and to have Chinese citizens living and being born under the ocean in Chinese colonies that they create in the South China Sea. This is going to be the new frontier of human colonization, the new frontier of human exploration. This is a challenge and a great uh, challenge at that to these underwater humanoids. Now, the peace treaty that they signed is not going to prevent the Chinese from exploring these areas, but it is going to prevent the merfolk, for example, from attacking them, specifically because at this point, the Chinese have not communicated with these merfolk. They, they have not. The Chinese now will begin to enter talks with them, will begin to see them as equal because they should be seeing them as superior but this is a huge step forward because up until this point no real earth nation has as a tribe bothered itself with communicating we as Americans have sent delegates Atlantis Rising understands them politically as an earth alliance type breakaway civilization level no no earth level no no earth tribe of uninitiated uh, like I said, it's it's individuals that make up a society. It's the society acting on behalf of individuals. This is important because no individuals have been really openly speaking to merfolk outside of the United States and outside of Russia. The only two countries to ever even engage in conversations with these species, with these beings. Um has been the United States and Russia during the Soviet Union. Now in the 21st century, we have the addition... Oh, and the English. But the English actually eat them, which is pretty fucked up. They, they, these merfolk hate the English with an absolute fuck... Like, that, that, that's what I'm saying. It's neither here nor there. The details of which are extremely complicated. You're having, like, literally a discussion with a no, all another race of the world... And like most races of the world, they fucking hate the English. Uh, because the English eat them. And it's like, and exactly. No one no one told them to. It's just kind of fucked up they do with that. I agree, exactly. Like, I'd be pissed if they were like eating Americans. That wouldn't fucking make any sense. You know, exactly. Like, fucking British. Point is, um, the Chinese now are going to start openly engaging in dialogue, openly engaging in politics with these sea folk, with these merfolk. Um, specifically the ones closest to them in the Pacific Theater. This is a huge improvement in ultra-terrestrial human relations and hopefully will open the door to more civilized 
interactions and discourse between our species, or whatever they may be. Humanoids on the Earth sphere, they number in the dozens, um, maybe even the low hundreds. This information isn't that important because most of them are not technologically advanced. Most of them are like really intelligent primates slash really intelligent animals of other kind, other species, other um, branches of life um, in humanoid form, in a societal pack form, in a herd form, or in environments where they typically um, will excel at but not leave. For example, an entire intelligent species can exist in one forest. And this intelligent species could be literally as intelligent as a person or as any human. Or even be more intelligent than that human. They could be more intelligent than dolphins. They could be capable of of understanding every single thing that mankind is able to understand. And they can have their entire species live in one forest on one mountainside and that's just the way it is uh, they don't have a lot of I mean, they could have a, a big population to them enough for any purposes they could have hundreds of thousands of individual members of their species exist in one forest on a mountain in Europe like in Norway and that species Belongs to the Earth Alliance as an ultra-terrestrial. That's why I said there's the, it ranges into the dozens and into the low hundreds. And most of them are exactly like this. They're seemingly irrelevant and ultimately not very powerful or influential when it comes to even things like humanity or uh, the greys. You know, so it's not something that's overly talked about. But they are a part of this preservation project known as the Blue Sphere Alliance, known as the Earth Alliance, uh, known as um, the, you know, the breakaway, the, the New Deal, though it's going on right now. Atlantis Rising concerns itself with the safety and with the preservation of these species, uh, their environments, their ways of life, and their defense this is the overall overall priority of all Atlantis Rising, you know, galactic government, uh, breakaway civilization type political matters is the defense and the uh, the the safety of vulnerable, less powerful, but equally intelligent, equally important. Um, I guess on a grand scale of things. Remember, these are not my words. These are just what's, what reality is, what's going on. Um, species. And it, it's like how humans want to save the panda bear. Even though it's an animal that only exists in one environment with a very specific set of traits. And um, it's very unique, but it's very rare and it's not very successful. Um, but it's a part of the whole puzzle. It's a part of the, of the species of Earth. It was made by God. Thus... This is why we have them in zoos. Why the fuck else are we doing this? This is what I'm saying. Like, why the fuck else are we going and finding animals to make sure they're doing all right? If they're fine without us or not, it's not our... But there's an impulse, there's an urge, there's an instinct because there's an order. And that order comes from much higher up. And it's just like find and save 
random shit on your planet because it's all important. Uh, you know, it's like, like, go and save as many fucking things as possible. And the Chinese have agreed to this. The Artemis Treaty and the Old Terrestrials have agreed to view the Chinese and to welcome them and to allow, like, not allow them into their, you know, across a limit or over a, or over a border, but to understand that this is a new element in society, Earth society, human society. It is not identifiable as, uh, for example, Christian or, uh, you know, the hammer and sickle. I mean, the hammer and sickle is now going to be identifiable with humanity as the cross or with the uh, crescent moon and star or with the um, um, star of David, the star of Ramphim, uh, to be to be historically accurate. Um, but yeah, like that is a thing now. It's a human, it's, I know it sounds weird cause it's been over a century, but for example, the Soviet Union had to reintegrate the Russian Orthodox church because the old terrestrials did not understand, did not recognize the communist banner of the star and sick of the hammer and sickle. Old terrestrials need to be brought in, into line, too. They need to keep modern, too. They need to be involved in debates of humanity, too. Or else there's serious repercussions and consequences, specifically in certain areas of the Earth. Um, they're not powerless. They're not defenseless. They're not um, un they're unimportant. Some of these old terrestrials literally... If they didn't exist, or if they acted against humanity, would destroy humanity over time. Like, oh, it, it's it's not so much that everything is this apocalyptic battle or an invincible superweapon, but for example, they can control things like the fertility of ground. They can control things like the rain cycle. They can control things like um, the oceans. Like I said, th this idea of humanity being supreme is true but it's because we've all worked together to get us to this point and we need to continue to work together to advance us into the future to an even higher level of cooperation and ascendancy we have not lived in a state of warfare between these different species and we're not going to get into a state of warfare between these different species the peace, like I began to speak about like two hours ago, was that how peace on Earth exists. And peace on Earth, uh, if it's peace within a border, means there's war without the border. Now that there is no war without the border, war will enter the border. War will be internalized because we're no longer fighting extraterrestrials. The Orion Draco signed the peace accord with the Jupiter Accord, uh, the peace treaty with the Jupiter Accord. Uh, the Artemis Treaty now has been created to keep the peace within the Earth, within the Blue Sphere, because without that antagonism, without that unified, that enemy to unify against, without that front line, that energy will recoil, will slam back like an elastic band, like uh, like a rubber band, and uh, it'll go from being stretched out to back to its center. And 
instead of seeing showdowns between the superpowers, which will eventually be, you know, inevitably be the ultra-terrestrials included in this as well, and instead of seeing the humans uniting and attacking the ultra-terrestrials, which range in species from Sasquatch Yeti, Merman, uh, Insectilians, uh, Hollow Earth beings, different nations of humans, which are not involved in our shit from different continents, uh, hollow earth humans, um, you know, the break, the ultra-terrestrials is a huge term. It could mean humanoid, it could mean non-humanoid, um, everything from, like, intelligent clouds to, like, uh, little people, like, that's a thing, um, you know, to even, to even survivors of the Adamic race, which are, like, living stones, so, that needs to be interpret- incorporated. <laughs> As I said, like, the USA used to be the only nation outside of the old monarchies in the first nation of the New World to openly discuss and, and trade and negotiate with ultra-terrestrials. And now, by the 21st century, we have more players in the game, but each player has to be told the rules and has to be incentivized for following the rules. The fear was, what if China discovered a hollow earth city and attacked it, thus starting a war between us and a hollow earth ultra-terrestrial civilization, uh, say the Insectilians, and because, they like said, what if one person makes one decision or does one thing that affects the whole human race? If one person shot the wrong alien or the wrong old terrestrial, you know, and started a whole war where the human race is at that point victimized and attacked and millions of people die and cities are destroyed and history is rewritten. That has to be prevented at all costs because they can't tell human beings apart because details get confused because we're fighting intelligences which are not human, that don't think like humans, that don't see the world like we do with individuality, with difference of identities. If, for example, one is attacked by something, the entire species reacts and attacks uh, like honeybees. You know, then this is what I was saying about preventing wars is worth so much more than being able to win wars. Yes, the Earth Alliance is about weaponry, it's about a, like a real life military in space, off world, etc., fighting aliens. That that's happens. The majority of the efforts and the true impressive uh, uh, things, the feats that we've accomplished as a species, has nothing to do with that. I mean, it has it, it's the prevention of wars. It's the creation of peace. It's the paperwork and the scientific know-how the necessary the the philosophy the skills of uh, public speaking and um friendship and alliance and then cooperation with extraterrestrials and ultraterrestrials that we've created nine times out of ten being able to negotiate situations peacefully this is an absolute fact this is a key to the success and to the survival of our species in the situations why the Ashtar High Command like us is because even though we have this small talent for war, we have a greater talent for peace. We need to celebrate this. And I know it's top secret because it has to be, but I 
am, am going to celebrate it and celebrate these terms because this is a great accomplishment. This is something that I'm very happy to have heard and to have been told and to have been communicated. This is a very positive development. This is a very good piece of news. You got to spread the good news. Uh, most times people are at a level now when even though that they're talking about UFOs and they see it from a perspective of like something that looks like the truth and is close to the truth than it's not like even though people are, are now entering the game entering the discussion entering the conversation they have to realize that it's it's like you know turtles all the way down by the time they get into it they have to fully look back and see the history of reality for what it truly is. They can't just open their eyes and think that the world started yesterday. But yet they act exactly like they were born only yesterday. They act like everything started literally a year, a day ago. When it comes to UFOs or aliens or species communication or the way that the world has been developed or these treaties or anything. And so they fear, they fear the unknown. And that's exactly why this secret needs to be told to as many people as possible. As many people as possible need to educate themselves on the subject is because there is so much in place and so much that has been done and so much that will be done in the future to ensure the survival of the system, the peace between nations, the peace between species, and the the cooperation and coexistence between these species from the highest levels up, from the Galactic Federation of Light down to by the time we see it now, yes, there were hostile species. Yes, there were uh, antagonistic forces like uh, genetic pirates uh, from the greys. And yes, there was just now a massive threat uh, to, say, for example, the human race from the Insectilians. But with every single threat that emerges and arises, it is met by... Uh, defenders of of humanity, defenders of the peace, defenders of this timeline across dimensions uh, with every single tactic and, and, and art they know uh, to, to create peace, to secure peace, to create um, uh, the perfect world, really. And this is why we need to really start appreciating and to kind of really start seeing um, the breakaway civilization not as the rarity, not as this rogue shadow group, but truly for the heroes of humanity that they truly are, for the reality of humanity that truly is, that this is the next phase, the next evolution of our species. This is what's currently happening with our species. Is the level we're currently at. That everything else is the zoo they have created. Specifically to keep us comfortable, to keep us safe. As they get, do all the heavy lifting, as they do all the hard work. And the populations now have shifted where the majority of the human race is off the planet. And we are this tribe that 
started it all. And we're going to be left exactly where we belong, exactly where we are. Collectively. Individually, we can we can waken up and everything like that. But at that point, it's just this existential oddity. Imagine being born as an Amazonian tribes person, like, you know, last year. That's a reality. People are being born into those systems. Those systems are what I'm speaking about. That's allowed to exist. We are being born in those systems. The tribes person can decide for themselves existentially. But the tribes person is fated to be that person. You're from the Yanamamo tribe in the Amazon rainforest. Your people don't wear closed-toed shoes. And you walk around shirtless and paint your face and hunt monkeys with like a blow blowgun and you can go to the big city you can go to college you could you could do that if you were a yamamamo tribes person you could you could want more for your life you could look elsewhere beyond the forest beyond the horizon and change who you were you could you could evolve but everything, you know that that's how weird the discussion is because yeah, you could get a bus ticket, you know, and go. That's the gonna be the future. Is that, and that's currently the now. You are born in that system. You gotta look around and think that's not. This is not the center of the world. This is just a system. This is just a tribe that you were born into, and you can open up your eyes and look elsewhere and and start spiritually exploring the universe. Start spiritually and psychically start exploring the world around you for what it really is. Start gaining other civilizations, start gaining into other societies, start gaining into other conversations, hearing different languages, for example. Do you remember the first, how old you were when you heard a foreign language or when you saw a foreigner or when you went to a foreign country? Same thing. Every tribe thinks they're the only thing that exists until they see or witness something that they've never experienced before. And then it's an individual choice whether to embrace that newness and explore using mankind's instinct for exploration or to, uh, you know, fear it and to grow paranoid and suspicious and to reject it. And, you know, the two things Americans fear the most, ghosts and foreigners. <laughs> And foreign things. And that's exactly what the, the, the whole choice is. The reason why America exists in this state of ignorance to the breakaway civilization, to the UFO reality, to the reality of aliens and extraterrestrials and ultra-terrestrials all around us and our true place in the world, even though tens of billions of people currently live in that reality and 300 million Americans do not, it's because those 300 million Americans really are afraid of newness. They're afraid of change. They're afraid of different languages. And to be a part of like a multi-species reality, you got to learn Wookiee. You got to learn alien. You got to learn uh, how aliens look and how they act and how they behave. And every second, you, I mean, unless you're unless you're like Philip J. Fry from Futurama and you can just be like, yeah, I'm fucking chilling with I like an alien girl with one eye and, you know, I hang out with a robot and you know, I'm chilling in the future. It, 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 the reality is you won't ever be like um, invited into that future. You never be asked to do anything you're not comfortable with. And your your guides, the Astro High Command, uh, they know 
That's why they appear as humans. That's why they always are trying to appear as humans. So I send greys, and they think greys are cute. They don't understand that we're terrified of them. They, they're like... <laughs> they just don't get it. <laughs> they don't really see why. Because greys are not scary. They don't have any sharp edges, and they're weak. He's <laughs> like, they're not... People are just giant, over-excitable, over, uh, freaked-out, like, babies. And that's exactly the level they're dealing with. Why are you afraid of a gray? What's it going to do? It weighs, like, 33 pounds. <laughs> it weighs, like, 33 pounds. Poke it in the eye. He's like, like <laughs> think for a second. He's like, think for a second. This isn't scary. Why are, we, why are we afraid of Bigfoot? Same thing. People are terrified of Bigfoot. Motherfucker doesn't even wear shoes. What's he going to do? It's like, what's he going to do to you? It's like, like yeah, he's big. So <laughs> we're afraid that he's bigger than us. <laughs> it's like being afraid of a horse or an elephant simply for the fact that there's, oh my God, that giraffe's tall. Like, yes. Like, I like, guess. Like, how are you going to handle aliens with their many uniqueness, like your, their cultures and their, and their edge and their, you know, their society and, and their, you know, reality? Like, it's, it's kind of like, um, the longer the secret is kept, the, the, the better people, the, the more people want to keep that secret. The more they reject the truth, the more they are afraid of truth, the more they fear reality. Uh, because they begin to love the secret. They begin to love the lie. And we are being kept as the secret, not the world around us. It's odd. I know, it's like a two-way mirror. We're really the bizarro world. That's the Shyamalan twist, is that, uh, like, the M. Night Shyamalan twist is that we are really in the village, and the world around us is already... Progr it's, like it, it's The larger world is the world around us. We are a micro-world inside this world being kept at a certain level of advancement by people who think they're doing us a favor by keeping us in the dark, quote-unquote, keeping us in the forest, quote-unquote. But in reality, uh, they fear a world, like I said, do you, when you hear a foreign language, when you, when you see a foreigner, when you see a change, and you see the universe, like for nature, do you fear it, or do you want to explore it? Are you curious? Do you want to embrace it? They are ruled by fear. The Rockefellers are ruled by fear. Ultimately, a desire to be... This all comes down to Rockefeller. The point is, China is no longer choosing to be a country led by fear. This is amazing. This is an amazing progress and a, a huge improvement when it comes to the human species' um, diplomatic relationships, not only with extraterrestrials, but within ourselves, between nations, between identities, between tribes. And... Uh, you know, it's a good it's a good evolution of a situation that started with literal um, domination and enslavement at the hands of superior technology from the breakaway civilization. They are not seeking revenge, although ideologically many of them want to. They are not seeking uh, reparations, although ideologically many of them demand it. They, as society, are seeking peace. They, as society, are seeking uh, allegiance. They only ask to operate autonomously within their own spheres of influence, within their own borders. They want access to the same technology that we have, but they gave us and surrendered to the whole, the team, that they also are part of, uh factories and in and, and underground cities that they didn't need to because they had rightfully possessed 
through their own acquisition. This was after the Orion Draco Antarctica invasion. They went into those bunkers. Their men were lost exploring those bunkers. Chinese people died exploring those bunkers, exploring those factories, getting them to operate again. They could have taken that and become a rogue nation. They clearly have the, the ability to do so. This is a huge sign of positive trust and love between two identities and cultures and communities. And really, it's just about mutual respect. At that point, it's just about mutual respect. It was a sign of respect that the Chinese gave to the Earth Alliance, to the Atlantis Rising, to the West, and its theosophic uh, Illuminati, its breakaway civilization, its Solar Warden, its ICC, its not Waffen Fleets. It's extended the olive branch, and we have returned it in kind. By allowing them to lead, by allowing them to gain a position in the head of the table, along with us and Russia, and be this tri-power, world power, three superpowers, this, this trilateral commission, this triangular commission. And they are beginning to really help out humanity as a, as a species. The act of exploration, the act of discovery, the act of defense of the world is such that when one party does something, when one party discovers something, when one party or agency improves a a map or explores a a hollow earth cavern or a territory or the bottom of the ocean or sets up a station to read like meteorological data or um, starts exploring off-world locations or building space stations and colonies, the entire world benefits. The entire species benefits. Yes, individuals might benefit far more than others and most will never know what really has happened. The sacrifices that really were made. The importance of the discoveries that really were discovered. The promise of the land that really was explored. And it may not manifest in their lifetime. It may not manifest in the centuries after their lifetime. But just like how Marco Polo, just like how, um, 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 you know, um, the conquistadors, just like how, um, Captain Cook, when they traveled and circumnavigated the globe, just like how each one of those sacrificed and lived their lives to the highest ideal for the improvement of the human race. The Chinese in the Golden Dragon and the Jade Dragon fleets, they will continue to live their lives to a higher ideal, not only through a sense of patriotism for their own nation-state, and not at a sense of xenophobia and hatred towards the West or towards other species but they'll start living to a golden rule ideal which will improve the reputation and ascendancy 
the, the speed of which we ascend into the five dimensions uh, and beyond as a human species. They are, have the, a majority stake in the world. They have 1.6 billion people. If all of them start living and existing in a much more positive frequency in a state of existence, this will spread in such a way that it will be like a nuclear meltdown, but in the most positive sense of the word. It will be like a cataclysmic uh, chain reaction. If those billion people, billion and a half plus people, can start living with a lot more positivity and courage and love inside their hearts. That their heart chakras would connect and unite and it would start and you would see like a billion candles shining at once. And each one may just be a little candle, but if you add a billion of them together, you can see that across the universe. And if you got to make 7 billion people shine to ascend the entire human species on Earth, the blue sphere, to the level of the breakaway civilization, to the level that Ashtar High Command wish we were, what our mission to become is, if you want us to shine at that level, then you need, absolutely need, the Chinese to shine as well. Well, I've been the Beyond Top Secret Texan. This has been the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast. We've been talking about the Artemis Treaty, following up with the Jupiter Accords, speaking about the Chinese involvement in the breakaway civilization with the Secret Space Program, with the future of the Chinese space fleets, the Golden Dragon and with the Jade Dragon, with their communication diplomatically with ultra-terrestrials, extraterrestrials, and with their reverse engineering, but then surrendering to the greater good, the Earth Alliance good, to Solar Warden, the recovered Notwaffen and Orion Draco factories and underground cities, subterranean cities, from the Antarctic territories that they had liberated and acquired since the defeat of the Orion Draco invasion of Antarctica circa 2001. I hope every single one of you out there in Dreamland has enjoyed this conversation. You guys got a lot of guts out there. If you have made it this far, please consider checking out my Instagram. Follow me on Instagram. I post daily video evidence, clips, memes, photo news, things like that. You know how to use Instagram. Follow, like, subscribe uh, on YouTube as well. YouTube.com slash C slash Beyond Top Secret Texan. Very active YouTube channel. Post multiple times a week. Can't guarantee every week because I'm oftentimes uh, suspended through copyright strike reasons, etc. But 
I've gotten a lot better at playing the game and currently haven't been suspended or have any strikes currently pending against me. So it's a brand new, uh, brand new year in terms of that. I post three or four times, five, maybe six, seven times. I have a problem. I post a lot on YouTube. I post a lot on TikTok. I post a lot on um, Library and Odyssey. So definitely check out the different video evidence formats. Um, now, that's all the free content. And, of course, you have your choice of podcast directory, podcast channel, etc. That's just all the free content. If you want the exclusive content, uncensored, unedited, um, hours and hours and hours, um, I think I'm up to 10 hours currently of exclusive video evidence archive from my personal library of dark web footage that you can't find anywhere else. The rarest, most exclusive footage in one spot for your convenience on exclusive Patreon-only YouTube videos. That is available for $1 on Patreon.com. Patreon.com slash BeyondTopSecretTexan for $1 for access to hours and hours and hours of exclusive rare video evidence in high definition. Also, a very active uncensored Telegram group with direct messaging availability specifically to me to answer any questions or to give any opinion on any subject. I also post multimedia content there, books, um, as well as uh, YouTube videos, etc. that I feel are important to this whole situation. So for any relevant information, $1, patreon.com, beyond top secret Texan. Follow me there. Gain access to all the exclusive media. God bless you. Namaste and shalom.